Um, we haven't talked about this case before. Uh, I've been meaning to, and I'm sure you've heard of it, the case of Justin Bone uh, in the Edmonton area. It's uh, it's a tragic case that has brought to light all kinds of different ways that the quote-unquote system failed, failed a lot of people. Bone is charged with killing two men in Edmonton's Chinatown district back in May. Middle of May this happened. Um, a month after Bone had been released from the remand center. He has a lengthy criminal record that goes back a long, long way. Now, when he was released from the remand, his conditions of release prohibited him from traveling to Edmonton alone. He was not allowed to be in Edmonton unsupervised. Uh, He did turn up in Edmonton, obviously, but he didn't get there on his own. He actually got a ride from the RCMP. Um, The family member that was responsible for his supervision out at Alberta Beach, just west of Edmonton, called police saying they wanted Bone removed from the home. Okay, so he'd been staying with a family member as part of his release not to travel to Edmonton unsupervised. Whatever happened that night at Alberta Beach happened. The family member that was, quote-unquote, supervising Bone said, I don't want to do this anymore. He needs to leave. So RCMP took him to West Edmonton and dropped him off um, It's being described as in an area where uh, close to where he might be able to receive services. He might he he was um, taken to an area where he could get so uh, near a social services hub is what they're calling him. But three days later, two men were dead, boned back in custody and charged with their murders. Now, those are the broad strokes, but there's a lot of other wrinkles that we'll talk about. He was supposed to enter addiction treatment, for example. No space. So that's why he ended up with the family member. And there's all kinds of things and questions being raised. So we're going to chat now with Mark Charrington, who's with the Coalition for Justice and Human Rights, a nonprofit that helps marginalized people in Edmonton, deals with cases just like Justin Bone. Mark, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Shay. I think this case for a lot of people is a real eye-opener and a real, what happened here? How unusual is what happened with Justin Bone uh, in in other cases, or is this something that we've seen before many times? Well, I've seen it a lot of times. It's it's certainly not atypical in my experience. It's unfortunately a fact of the environment that we're living in. we talk a lot about uh, physical structures, uh, infrastructures such as bridges and roads, but there's also social infrastructure, and that has been pushed aside and off politicians' radar for many years. And what's happened is it's crumbled and now it's collapsed. So we have a huge homeless issue problem. We have no spaces in addiction centers. Um, I mean, the waiting lists, at least the ones I'm working with, are sometimes eight, ten weeks. Um, You know, there's no social housing to speak of. All those bridge funding programs that uh, dealt with homelessness um, during COVID have all dried up and collapsed. Um, They're no more. So we shoveled all these people onto the streets. Right. And you just have to walk down Jasper Avenue or 97th Street or any back alley, and, and it's it's you're seeing all this tragedy, all these people, just nowhere to go, nothing to do, suffering from mental health issues, addictions, traumatized through violence, you know, pick your poison. There's no doubt we're facing a crisis, and we're hearing about it all the time with the the issues that are happening, not only in Edmonton, but in Calgary, all, all the big centres. Um, when we take a look at the Bone case in particular, 
I mean, how many times and how many ways can the system fail? I mean, first of all, let's start with the ability, the inability to get him the services he needed right out the door of the remand. He was supposed to go to addiction services, but there were none. So right from the very get-go, Mark, we're behind the eight ball here. Well, and there's a communication gap between the courthouse and the streets. And, um, you know, uh, everybody, I mean, I want to say that everybody involved in homelessness or in the criminal justice system has good intentions. At least the, the, the vast majority of people have good intentions and want to help people. But there's a communication gap between the streets and the courthouse. And there's, you know, there's lots of reasons behind it. Uh, the justice navigators with legal aid at one time were allowed to assist people in appointments and that, and now they just sort of click and point. Um, you know, um, so we have this communication breakdown. The Crown Defense Council, they're not up to speed with the exact sort of, you know, way it is, the boots on the ground yeah, sort yeah. of look. So that we have that communication breakdown, and that leads to assumptions that our addiction centers are open and and willing to take anybody that's pers- subscribed to them, and it doesn't happen. Um, in the instance here where, okay, he's been released, he can't access the addiction services, so he's put into the supervision of a family member. Okay. Um, the, the the next step that, I, I, I don't know, have you seen this before? Is this, is this a common practice where, okay, he can't stay with the family member anymore, so police, I mean, and not necessarily, you know, social services, not necessarily the police responsibility, but it it, it seems to me really inadequate to say, we're going to take you close to a social services hub where you can access um, services and, and drop you off. Is that the standard procedure? Is that the plan? Uh, I don't. I, I can more comment with the Edmonton. I, I I don't think so. I don't believe that anybody um, um, understanding um, you know the person that they had in the back of the police cruiser uh, should have been dropped off. At least in my personal opinion, anywhere. Um, but that leaves the police with the question. So what do we do? What do we do with them? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that he's he's um, unwilling to comply with his conditions. It's just that he's unable. And a lawyer can certainly comment more on that last sentence than than I can. So what do you do with this human being? And this is where you see the gaps and the and the destruction and the collapse of our social infrastructure system. And this is the. Our our provincial government owns this. This is their their jurisdiction, and they have underfunded housing and homelessness uh, for a number of years. And it's a crisis. We need social housing. We need bed space and addiction centers. It is a simple formula. It is easy to correct. You have to put money into this problem and deal with it. And you know when you cut budgets, when you are your government of austerity, this is sort of the this is what comes to be in fruition, you know, and, and we need we need funding for social infrastructure. That I, that I can't say that enough. I mean, is, that, is, is it that simple, Mark, when you take a look at it? Like you say, I mean, it, it, it seems systemic, like the number of agencies that were involved and, and it all seemed to just be inadequate across the board. Where, where do we start? I mean, we know that it's a crisis situation, as you clearly pointed out, and we've seen in so yeah. many other stories. Where do we start today? How do we, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's at that point of urgency now. Okay, so we need we need boots on the ground. Uh, we're using first responders 
to deal with this problem. And this is, in my opinion, the most ineffective and expensive way to deal with it. We need we need social workers. We need child and youth care workers. We need people uh, 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 out on the streets helping these people, ensuring that they're fed, dealing with these mental health crises as they, as they bloom. Uh, we need... Uh, we need areas where people can rest and sleep, uh, even during the day. I mean, they're all they're all sleeping in back alleys. So we need we need programs like uh, you know uh, drop-in centers that are open all day and all night that people can come, you know, and 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 be engaged with addiction workers and mental health workers and housing workers. Uh, and the other big thing we need to do is we can do right away is we need to to really look at the ID issue of ID. People without ID are at a, have an extreme barrier to get any services. And most of the people that I'm dealing with that are homeless have no ID. And there's no process to really get that going because there's a cost associated with it. There's this bureaucracy and paperwork associated with it. And it has to be there, but you need someone to get these people ID. And we have a program at the Royal Alec Hospital, but it certainly doesn't cover the scope of a, a city of a million people. Yeah, and and as you say, we're we're in a deficit position. So I mean, it's not even dealing with a city of a million people. It's playing catch up and then being in a position to sort of sustain it for a city of a million people. And what's happening is is we have all this social infrastructure deficits in all these smaller communities. So these smaller communities are gravitating their 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 people that are having these barriers, and they're pushing them into the city. And it's causing this. And, and, you know, our solution right now is we have a government-sanctioned shantytown, <laughs> you yeah, know, a yeah. tent city. You know, we will build a shantytown here because we have no other solution, because we have no funding and we have no housing. And it's a disgrace. And, we, and, and it, you know, this provincial government owns this. They own this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that strategy you're talking about. Well, it's not just one shantytown, Mark. We're going to spread them out so they don't get too big. We'll we'll have a few different ones. But yeah, I hear exactly yeah. what you're saying. Um, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. 